This is Garrison Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022. Happy Hump Day, everyone. I hope you've all been having an excellent week thus far. Before we get to the news brief, our Fight, Laugh, Feast magazine is a quarterly issue that packs a punch like a 21-year Belvini, no ice. We don't water down our scotch. Why would we water down our theology? Order a yearly subscription for yourself, and then send a couple yearly subscriptions to your friends who have been drinking lukewarm evangelical Kool-Aid. Every quarter, we promise quality food for the soul, wine for the heart, and some Red Bull for turning over tables. Our magazine will include cultural commentary, a psalm of the quarter, recipes for feasting, laughter sprinkled throughout the glossy pages, and more. Sign up today at FightLaughFeast.com. That's FightLaughFeast.com. Let's get to some news for you guys. Justice Roberts blocks House Committee from obtaining Trump tax returns. This is from the Post-Millennial. Supreme Court Justice John Roberts has granted an administrative stay on a lower court order that prevents the White House, prevents the House, rather, Ways and Means Committee from accessing Trump's tax returns. The stay is temporary and will last until the court considers a final decision. On Monday, the former president asked the Supreme Court to block the House Ways and Means Committee from accessing his tax returns after it requested six years worth of Trump's returns as part of an investigation into IRS audit practices of presidents and vice presidents, reports ABC News. Trump accused the committee of seeking his tax under dubious circumstances with a petition to the Supreme Court reading, quote, the committee's purpose in requesting President Trump's tax returns has nothing to do with funding or staffing issues at the IRS and everything to do with releasing the president's tax information to the public. In August, a federal appeals court ruled that the committee would be handed the tax returns, having first sought the returns in 2019. NBC reports that Trump recently failed to block the request on Thursday when the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals shot down his request to reconsider a unanimous opinion from one of its three judge panels approving the committee's access to the documents. Trump says the panel's attempts to get their hands on his returns are purely political. Moving on, voter registration has been a disaster. Democrats have lost 330,000 voters in Florida. Democrats are not poised to do well in Florida next week. In fact, it looks like they may not do well in the state for some time. Since the 2020 election, Dems have lost more than 330,000 registered voters in the state, while GOP registrations have surged. The Florida Division of Elections released its voter registration report for the November election, known as book closing, earlier this month. Taken with the reports from the general elections in 2020 and 2018, Republicans and no-party affiliate voters show a steady increase in voter registration. But from 2020 to 2022, Democrats lost 331,810 votes. New Six political analyst and UCF professor Dr. Jim Clark says the problem can be laid at the feet of the Florida Democratic Party. The result at this large shift in registrations is that the GOP now has a registration advantage in the state for the first time. As of last month, there were 5.3 million registered Republicans, just under 5 million Democrats in Florida, making it the first time in state history that the GOP will carry a voter advantage on Election Day. As bad as that news is, 
What's even worse is who Democrats are losing. Republicans have picked up where Trump left off. More than half of their gains in registered voters can be attributed to the 58,000 new Hispanic voters who checked Republican on their forms. Democrats, though, are bleeding support from these communities. The party saw a net loss of more than 46,000 Hispanic voters. The reversal is made more stunning because Democrats entered the election cycle firmly aware of the trend and sent out to address it, promising they would have dedicated staff and outreach on the Hispanic communities that are scattered across the state. It is also worth noting that Republicans saw a slight but sizable uptick of black registered voters in the past two years, while Democrats lost more than 71,000, a quarter of which came from Miami-Dade. The result of this is that the Republicans are in a position to win Miami-Dade County for the first time in 20 years. The party has picked up 11,000 new voters in the county since 2020, while Democrats have lost nearly 58,000 voters over the same time span. On top of the registration advantage, the GOP also has a big money advantage. CNN notes that in 2020, Michael Bloomberg committed $100 million to help Biden win Florida. This year, there are no outside benefactors coming to rescue the Democrats. Meanwhile, Governor DeSantis has raised nearly $200 million. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' political operation reported raising $177.4 million through September 9th, breaking the gubernatorial fundraising record without adjusting for inflation. A new Open Secrets analysis of state campaign finance filings found. His re-election campaign has raised over $31.4 million since January 2021. And Friends of Ron DeSantis, his state-level PAC, this is not subject to contribution limits, raked in $146 million since January 2019. The bottom line is that even the Miami Herald doesn't see much hope for Democrats this year. Hey, we're already talking about election stuff. Let's keep it going. Majority rules. Republicans predicted to have huge House win in new forecasts. The Republican Party is set to experience a big win in the House of Representatives come election night, gaining a double-digit edge in the lower chamber of Congress. The GOP needs to have a net gain of at least five seats in the House if it wishes to take the majority, but predictions released on Tuesday indicate that the party may have a 19-seat majority after election night, bringing its total to 236 seats. This estimate is based on if Republican candidates win half of the toss-up races that are in a dead heat, according to Fox News. The majority by the GOP could be bigger or smaller, depending on voter outcome for the party. In a best-case scenario for Republicans, the party would leave the election night with 249 seats, while at a best-case scenario for the Democratic Party would be the Republicans to have only 223 seats after the election, according to the outlet. The Republican Party's lead in the 2022 midterm House elections can possibly be attributed to its focus on inflation and crime, while Democrats have focused on abortion rights following the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade earlier this year. An ABC Ipsos poll conducted from October 28th to October 29th found that 26% of those surveyed ranked the economy as the most important issue, while 23% reported inflation as the most important. The poll surveyed 729 adults and had a margin of error of 3.9 percentage points. While Republicans are expected to take control of the House, the Senate remains up in the air as the only party, uh, as the party only won 50 of the 100 simulated outcomes. But the midterm elections for the Senate, according to the 538, the GOP needs to have a net gain of at least one senator if it wishes to take control of the upper chamber of Congress. Before we get to our next story, let's talk about Accountable to You. 
Is your smartphone a tool in the service of Christ or a minefield of distractions and temptations? With soul-killing seductions just a few taps away, our families and churches must embrace biblical accountability on our digital devices. And Accountable to You makes transparency easy on all your family's devices by sharing app usage and detailed browsing history, including incognito mode with your spouse, parent, or chosen accountability partner. Accountable to You helps your family to proactively guard against temptation so you can live with integrity for God's glory. Learn more and try it free at accountabletoyou.com slash FLF. That's accountable to you, the number two you.com slash FLF. All right, we've talked about enough election stuff. Let's take a look at the U.S. Army. As Army begins electrification push, C5ISR office aims to smooth bumps in the road. As the Army seeks to be more energy efficient between fiscal 2023 and 2027, officials with the service's C5ISR Center told Breaking Defense they're working on a plan to make the transition, whether it's to installation microgrids or the planned electrified vehicle fleet, smoother and smarter. The Army's ambitious climate strategy, which it estimates to cost upwards of $6.8 billion over five years, follows three lines of effort, installations, acquisitions, logistics, and training. So not only is the U.S. Army becoming more woke on the gender identity side of things, they also want to focus on being green because, hey, that's what we want our Army to be worried about. According to the Strategies Implementation Plan released October 5th, $5.2 billion of that will go to the installation line effort wherein the service wants to field fully electric, non-tactical vehicles and reduce greenhouse gases. This is our Army, folks. The Army also wants to op, uh, operationalize 55 microgrids on its installations, 20 microgrids by fiscal 2024, 15 more by 26, and then 20 more by 27. A total cost of $1.6 billion. The training portion is expected to cost far less. The service is currently working on implementing the first set of those tactical microgrids, which will allow the service to interconnect power equipment in an inoperable, in an interoperable and smart way. This is from Marini Bailey, Power Division Chief at the Army's C5ISR Center. She told Breaking Defense in an interview last week. She added that the development of the tactical micro, microgrid standard has underpinned a lot of the research the Army has been doing in that area. TMS is an interoperability standard that allows devices to plug and play together, and that's what the Army wants to do with its power systems. Mike Gonzalez, Expeditionary Power and Environmental Controls Branch Chief at the C5ISR Center, added, Over the next year, the Army wants to explore how to do active load management, things that consume power like electronics through the use of TMS, which can monitor the loads and see how much power installations or bases are consuming on a regular basis, whether the facilities are stateside or far-flung regions. According to the Army's climate plan, the service plans to field an all-electric, light-duty, non-tactical vehicle fleet by 2027 and is aiming for an all-electric, non-tactical fleet overall, by 2035. The Army wants to reap the benefits of the technologies and at the same time make sure the transition of these new concepts are seamless for soldiers. As part of that, the service is engaging in soldier touch points to get feedback on what is and isn't working. 
Those soldier touch points are key to making sure the Army doesn't spend years on that stuff that's not performing in real situations, Gonzalez said. As to how the Army sees the opportunity space over the next fiscal years coming up, both Bailey and Gonzalez summed it up in three words, intentionality, flexibility, and maximizing options. It also opens up opportunities for incorporating things like artificial intelligence in the future for things like controls. Bailey added. But the focus right now remains on implementing the interoperability standards into equipment. So there you go. Our army is more focused on greenhouse gases as opposed to the battlefield. Moving on, the government is set to spend more on debt payments than on the entire defense budget. Hey, that kind of ties in with the Army. Interest on federal debt is set to skyrocket, potentially surpassing defense spending by early as 2025, CNN reported Tuesday. The federal government made $475 billion in net interest payments in the fiscal year of 2022, which ended in September, up from 352 in fiscal year 2021, according to the Treasury Department. The number exceeds the $406 billion spent on transportation and veterans' benefits. It is on track to eclipse the roughly $750 billion spent on defense this year between 2025 to 2026, according to CNN, citing financial analytics from Moody's Analytics. Regardless of who wins the midterms or in 2024, there are really difficult decisions that will have to be made, according to Dan White, an economist at Moody's Analytics, told CNN. This is really going to handcuff them. End quote. The Federal Reserve has historically kept interest rates low in a bid to encourage economic growth and the purchase of U.S. debt by foreign investors, CNN reported. This contributed to aggressive borrowing campaigns by both the Trump and Biden administrations, which boosted the nation's debt past $31 trillion for the first time this year that have fast-forwarded us almost an entire generation in terms of debt, White said. With inflation still above 8%, far above the Federal Reserve's goal of 2%, It is unlikely that the Fed will slow its pace of interest rate hikes this week in a bid to put downward pressure on the economy and slow inflation, the Wall Street Journal reported Tuesday. As interest rates hike push the economy's activity down and the cost of interest up, the U.S. might soon be in a position where it struggles to make its interest payments, White told CNN. A recession which economists consider increasingly likely... This is the news article saying this, by the way. Aren't we in a recession? That's just me. Anyways, which economists consider increasingly likely would make it even more difficult to make interest rate payments since governments typically spend more on social programs during recessions, White told CNN. There you go. There's a look at our economy, our army, voting, you name it. Now it's time for my favorite topic, sports. Let's go to the XFL. Third time's the charm, right? The XFL unveils eight cities' teams for the 2023 season. Hopefully, the third time's the charm for the XFL. The newest edition of the Spring Football League formally announced cities, team names, and logos for its new season on Monday. The XFL failed to live past its first season in 2001, and the COVID-19 pandemic shuttered the 2020 season only after a few weeks. But 2023... That's a new year. The season is set to start February 18th, 2023, and games will be televised on ESPN, ESPN2, ABC, and Fox. ESPN's Laura Rutledge showed off the new logos, names, and cities for all eight of the XFL squads in the announcement video. Here are the eight franchises and coaches for the 2023 season. Arlington, Texas Renegades. 
that Texas isn't in the name. It just said it's Arlington Renegades. And Bob Stoops is going to be the head coach. Uh, not a bad pickup there. Former Oklahoma Sooners, great. How about the D.C. Defenders? Reggie Barlow is going to be their head coach. Houston Roughnecks, Wade Phillips, the former Cowboys uh, head coach. Uh, the Orlando Guardians with Terrell Buckley as their head coach. The San Antonio Brahamas with Heinz Ward as their head coach. There's a solid wide receiver, a former Steelers wide receiver as their head coach. The Seattle Sea Dragons with Jim Hazlitt as their coach. St. Louis Battlehawks, Anthony Bett as their coach. And the Vegas Vipers with Rod Woodson taking the helm in that franchise. Uh, not a bad list of coaches there, i got to say. But we've seen the XFL numerous times before and with very limited success. Folks, that's going to do it for this episode of the Cross Politic Daily News Brief. If you like the show, hit that share button for me down below. If you want to sign up for a club membership or for our magazine, head on over to fightlapfeast.com. And as always, if you want to talk to me about our conferences, send me a news story, or become a corporate partner for Cross Politics Studios, email me at garrison at fightlapfeast.com. For Cross Politic News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great day, and Lord bless.